this is not chuggy as it were (laughs) whatever the fuck that means hello hello it's girls talk comics That's the new intro forever and always. Shit. (laughs) We're going to have a rough episode today. The lag is strong, children. That and our topic. Yeah, no. I've been been willfully ignoring our topic today for the entire day. (laughs) That's fair. I have to. I suppose we should maybe give people a warning. I'm your lieutenant of literature, Jessica. I'm your master of mediocrity, Aaron. And today we are going to be covering family loss. Yeah, get ready to be fucking sad. I might cry. It's fine. We'll we'll persevere somehow. Yeah, so the both of us have recently experienced familial loss of varying, I don't know, emotional impacts and suddenness, yeah. I think. I'd say that's fair. So this... this book really kind of hit close to home i actually i think we both made the mistake and i should have been aware of it whenever i brought this to the list we both made the mistake of reading this right around the time of the loss yes (laughs) that is true i think it was like a week after my last one yeah i don't remember when exactly i read it but it was sure after my grandmother had died so yeah so for everybody listening we read God Country by Donnie Cates. And the main character are a family unit, a son, his wife, his daughter, and his father. And his father be kind of kind of becomes the main pivotal character who well, he's both the villain and the hero in this book. He's the villain in the sense that he is a completely different person than what the main character kind of grew up with. He has Alzheimer's. Significant personality changes come with that. I think that's the easiest way to sum that up. And he can't recognize his son, his son's wife, or his granddaughter. In fact, I don't think his granddaughter ever really knew him prior to the onset of symptoms. That's what I got from the story. Or if she had, she was... Very, very young, because she's very young in the story as well. Yeah. So, spoiler, it's heartbreaking as fuck. Yeah. But it's also a really cool kind of action-adventure story, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I would say that I really enjoyed the way that this story combined the sort of menial and the just so real it hurts with the fantastical to kind of highlight how earth-shaking it is to go through these experiences it it kind of used it i think to good effect yeah it also poses the question of like what if you had a second chance yeah not like a redo but a second chance and if that second chance was later in life i feel like that second chance bit hits different when it's from an older mm-hmm. protag. 100% because you've at that point you've already known how your story plays out. You have already in my opinion, I think being the grandchild of somebody who did die from dementia symptoms at least, my grandmother already knew how her parenting and her story was playing out because it already had continued on with me. Mm-hmm. You know? She saw how hell she buried a son she saw how her two other children grew up, and she saw one of them raise two of their her own children. And the one that she buried, she saw the fallout and his fall and rise with his relationship. And just kind of, I mean, how cool that cousin is. I haven't spoken to her in a while, to be honest, but she's really cool. She's, I think, open to it if I ever just reach out. Which is nice. Some family are not that way, as I have recently discovered. Yeah. So nice. <laughs> so. Oof. It would have been interesting had she gotten a second chance. Like it would have, in thinking about it from that perspective, I don't think my grandmother needed a second chance because uh, where I'm at emotionally, economically, education-wise, and what came before me in my family's narrative, things are cool. But in this story, he kind of des- needed a second chance for the family to have any good and healthy closure. Right? Like it was just yeah. an opportunity for closure. You know, and I think what's interesting to me about the way this tale plays out 
is it kind of takes something that I think is done a lot, which is sort of the the bad dad son relationship, you know, in kind of a hacky way. That's something we see written about a lot. This creative team takes it out of hackiness into I don't know how to emphasize how real this relationship felt. Especially when maybe the second chance we think our parents need isn't the second chance that they want, you know, where maybe the parents aren't there to say I'm sorry, but are to continue their narrative in a different way than what we feel we deserve from them. So yeah, it's just a very nuanced look at that, which I would have rolled my eyes at because it seems like Everybody knows at least 50 of these stories where it's like, oh, my relationship with my father was terrible. You know, like, it seems like a very done piece, doesn't it? But this didn't feel like it was drawing on that. It felt like it was sort of creating its own momentum. Mm -hmm. You know, it kind of, I think I get where you're coming from. When I think of bad father-son relationships, there's always some moral at the end about sacrifice or doing the right thing. And that was why I did the right thing. And that was why our relationship was fucked up. And I I think about in this story, how the grandfather, he was all of a sudden able to overcome symptoms because he possessed this magical space sword. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he was talking with one of the aliens who was looking for that sword, who was like, I don't want to fight you but I need this sword. So they were trying to kind of come to terms and a bargain with that. And I, if I remember correctly in that scene, he pretty much goes, no, I'm keeping it for selfish reasons, which he doesn't say that explicitly, but I remember that scene sticking out of like, no, I'm keeping it because it makes me, me again. Mm-hmm. And that really stood out in the sense of like, I'm, this wasn't going to be a moral story about like, yeah, I neglected you for the right thing. It was one of those, like I get to, have good memories with my family. I just thought of an example that really kind of draws a good parallel for me a little bit. You know, the movie Big Fish, a thing that also reduces me to a jellyfish, wherein... Oh, Big Fish is so good. Isn't it so good? But it's all about the son learning that he mistook mistook his father, you know? So there's always somebody's right and somebody's wrong in these. And it always feels like it's kind of heavy handed on the morality aspect of it. And I was refreshed by how this was sort of, yeah, the dad is pretty much a hard ass. And you see that he's not really sorry about that aspect. So yeah, he's unapologetic. The dad isn't Mm -hmm. vindicated, you know, in the eyes of his son. But he's also accepted a bit more at the end there, which is, I mean, I think I got through this just fine until that end scene. (laughs) But not talking about that yet because I don't want to start crying yet. I liked also, you mentioned that the the big god was trying to get the, the sword back. I liked how they paralleled a, quote, real family with a, quote, god family. Going through the exact same thing, basically, and handling it different ways. Oh, yeah. They were total foils yeah. for each other. I really like that. <laughs> like, it helped kind of, I don't know cushion the impact a little bit until the end whenever they just like absolutely ruined my life but more about that later yeah i want to talk about the parallel between the aliens and the family because the grandfather is standing across from this god king who is also sliding i mean his world is being destroyed in a very literal sense and i think the implication is that it's also from a madness or something is that correct yeah like a like Like, a decrepitness a loss of power and control like it's like and and the force of will is the only thing mm-hmm. that they both hold on to. Which is totally, yeah, and that's totally, I think, a nice exploration of what it must be like for people who are struggling with dementia mm-hmm. and Alzheimer's and that change, right. right? So that, yeah, that was really cool to see. But then to also have the grandfather stand there and say, like, you're willing to destroy everything for your pride. Because I think that was kind of the end of their conversations. It was like, I'm not going to let you destroy my family and what the hell you're destroying your family Mm -hmm. because you just want this sword. And I thought that was like just a really interesting allegory for acceptance, you know, as part of the grief stage of the grandfather accepting kind of where he's at and what it means for Mm -hmm. him to be coming to the end of his life with dementia. It's just being confronted with this godly foil of himself and having to say like, 
fucking not cool, bro. <laughs> like, you know, just yeah. that stuck out to me a lot. But I think that's also because my grandmother fell, like, when as her dementia progressed, she lost a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. I mean, she was a PhD in uh, mathematics. She did stuff with NASA. She was this really cool woman who, <laughs> I can't really say she was a pioneer, but she tried to stand out very, very strong in her development and progression. And, like, then she had dementia and, you know. Yeah. Refused. Like, that process was heartbreaking because it was, like, no, I'm not forgetting things. And you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's that, there's that real need for people, or at least that I felt, trying to preserve the pride of my grandfather. You know, you you want to be there for them in a loving way that doesn't belittle them or diminish them. I always was trying very hard to draw the line between like offering gentle corrections or offering words that because he didn't he didn't have full onset dementia he had dementia but it was mostly like as a result of failing health and and post strokes so he had some aphasias and stuff but it wasn't like full alzheimer's it was just like loss of facilities you know and he was on oxygen so he didn't have very much air Mm -hmm. so he when you don't have very much air your brain doesn't always fire on all cylinders either so it was an interesting combination and and it was a very up and down sort of situation instead of a consistent slide so some some months you would interact with him almost Mm -hmm. as if there was no loss and then some months you would he'd forget the word for banana and call it like sweet potato (laughs) stuff like that so trying to be there for them and keep them from getting agitated and and not like draw attention to is is a very hard thing i think and it, i was very thankful that they didn't quite focus on that in the beginning because in the beginning he's just belligerent right and so you see like sort of the wife character mm-hmm. just not wanting to fucking deal with it anymore like how how dare you keep putting your daughter and me through this kind of situation and sort of that reminiscing of like what a god of a man this person used to be you know like he's very patronomic you know what i mean like very one of the men that men look up yeah. to you know and it's an interesting thing you know seeing his reaction to his father's illness because you can see him kind of do a little bit of that but then also because it's such an extreme example you see him like not being able to even start whereas i think the real life situations you and i have gone through are a bit more nuanced and emotionally draining in some ways but then on also and others less rigorous yeah because we're the granddaughter in that situation we're not which is which which is the part that ruined me for this book it hits different because there's this fairy tale aspect of it, right? Yeah. Whenever this character arc happens to coincide a little bit with my real life experiences where a grandparent finds a lot of redemption in their grandchildren, you know? And so aspects of their personality change or soften or, you know, become lightened. You know, The burdens that they carry might become lightened because of exposure to a little ball of joy, you know, at a young age, like he experiences with the sword with his granddaughter. And you can kind of see how not really the the father-son aspect, but more like the grandchild aspect is what kind of solidifies in his head that he's not going to play the exact, he's not going to play to the foil of this god who's standing on pride but stand for something else in his family where that might not have been his son you know it was still love driven in his family and and that is one of the most heartbreaking like realities of family dynamics i think because how do you (laughs) how do you sort of like just sort of accept that and then move on you know like how do people cope with that and it's so different for everyone like some some children never get over that like how dare you do that for them but not for me and then other children you know are like it's fine this is fine like I accept that about you and actually I love you for loving this thing that you know is the center of my world too so it's really like (laughs) is this a real fuck up of a book dude like this ruined me a little bit whenever I read it I was like I cannot believe that we just did this and that I because we had talked about doing it before my grandfather had passed (laughs) and then like I didn't think about it again until it was like oh it's time to read the book for the thing you know like 
separation of church and state right in my head like Mm -hmm. i'm compartmentalizing and keeping things different and then i read the book and i'm like life ruined (laughs) like how dare you guys be like so good at drawing like reality into fantasy and then also just have the audacity to make a book about it (laughs) and then have it be out there as like a thing i can buy how (laughs) dare you (laughs) yeah yeah no that Dear listener, we had to push it back yeah. a month. This was going to be our last month's book, and we decided too yeah. soon. Um, I kind of you brought up the like redemption through the grandchild thing, and I wonder if for some parents, and I'm not a parent, you're going to be a parent. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but I'm wondering if grandparents. <laughs> I wonder if grandparents sometimes look at their children and see all their anxieties about being a parent and then see their grandchildren and the successes their child may or may not be having or their failures that they may or may not be having and know that that's a reflection on them. Yeah. You know, like like I might have fucked it up, but my kid did it okay or like my kid is doing okay and has a great kid. And maybe that's kind of I wonder if that's a component of that joy. And that kind of psychology, but I think that's deviating a bit from the story. Well, no, I don't. I don't know necessarily because you can tell when he gets his faculties back through the sword that he's just not having it with his son still, you know. But he hadn't had any exposure to his granddaughter prior to this, so like you could see how he. I don't. I felt like I could tell the difference between how he talked to, like, interacted with his son after being exposed to his granddaughter for the you know few days that he got and then like before right like he i i don't know it just it it felt like Mm -hmm. there was a marked change in such a short amount of time it was very pronounced but i don't think that's necessarily how it works in the real world (laughs) i think sometimes it takes decades but you know whatever this is this is a piece of fiction (laughs) but um yeah i i think that might be a component of it i i don't know i've seen so many different ways that it plays out it's kind of hard until you're there, right? Like to know what is really the driving force for some of those experiences. I I know I'm getting a face full of that with the whole motherhood thing. Um, and I'm still sort of of the opinion that I want to skip over from maid to crone and like just <laughs> screw that whole mother thing in the middle because it sounds like, <laughs> like, you know, we all have these archetypes in our head that we draw for the world and the one that I had for mother was not super appealing to me as a person. Like I didn't want that. Uh, but I do want to do things better. You know, I want to continue to make a happy life for myself and my family. And my family definitely leans heavy into the a little bit better every generation, which I think kind of softens that blow for us a little bit, whatever it comes to the generational hopping of motivation, right? Like we're like, okay, so we all know kind of that my grandparents are like, I did the best I could so that my kids could do a little bit better. And then whenever they look at their grandchildren, that's sort of what their hopes are and maybe not necessarily the payout, Mm -hmm. but that's kind of, you can see how those wheels are turning in the family dynamics of, of my particular situation. And I don't know if that's helped or hindered by how close our generations are packed. Like, I don't know if this is completely a different relationship for people who have older parents. Um, I'll find out because I, I'm a 30 year old woman having my first child. So like I, I've put a, a whole decade in between me and the next generation, uh, hoping to be saner than I was a decade ago. Fingers crossed. <laughs> really setting a low bar there, like just saner than myself at 20. That's all I want. Um, I can see that in the larger mechanisms of the family that I have. And I think the biggest curse of family to me has always been that it doesn't seem like it's fair because my relationship with, you know, cousins or uncles or aunts or it's different than what my grandmother's relationship is with those people. And like, just being face first, like, full on seeing the discrepancies between how familial love is dished out. And understanding that as adults, like, at least my understanding family is familiarity is what drives that, you know, it's not just because they have a name or a title associated with my, you know, they're, they're my blood by this amount. 
especially with an estranged father, right? And next to no relationship with that side of my family, I've never really thought, oh, he's my brother, so I have to love him, or he's my uncle, so I have to love him, because I don't, you know, they're strangers to me. But other people have a really strong opinion about how much love they should get based on those titles. And it's always seemed really unfair to me, just the amount of anguish and heartache that happens whenever those expectations are different. And that's the, I mean, like that carries through all different kinds of relationships, right? Expectations versus what you're given. But shit, like they did such a, I mean, like it's subtle, but they do such a good job of sort of demonstrating the complexities of that in this work. And I, I wouldn't probably have said that except for how that final scene played out. And then I was like, okay, okay, this all this all kind of clicked together for me at the end there. Because I, I don't know, but it was way too soon, but it was a very, I cannot imagine that the people who wrote this didn't actually go through a loss at the hands of dementia or, you know, like old age. I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine. That was too accurate. I, yeah, it was too yeah. real. Yeah. yeah. No. You you bring up a lot of interesting perspectives on family. My family, I think, is very different. Obviously, we've talked about how they're different. And I'm just trying to reflect on my family dynamics when it comes to affection. And I do think that you're right about how with grandparents to grandchildren, it's the distance, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> absence makes the heart grow fonder kind of thing. Or the opposite. Because it's my parents or my grandparents or the opposite. That's true. Uh, My grandparents did see a lot of my falls from grace growing up, Mm -hmm. uh, but always a step removed. You know, they didn't have to deal with it directly. It was on the periphery. And with my with my own parents, they had such different relationships with their parents that I saw just this wide gamut of reactions, but in different relationships and uh Though I do have to say, being an adult and interacting with my extended family has been amazing. Like, I, the grief and the acceptance and the, the mourning that came from this book and that how similar it was to the process with my grandmother dying and it bringing me closer to family. I don't know. It was just so healthy compared to a lot of things that were dramatic. It's like I got the ending to this book because I had such a similar journey, mm-hmm. right? And it was just like, I don't know, it just it left good emotions in its wake. For example, I found out that my aunt, who I've had a slightly absent relationship with through no particular fault of either of ours, is like hella into Asian dramas and oh, media. Fuck yes. And so she, my little sister and I all share this appreciation that I didn't even know we all had like I knew my sister watched anime and she liked Final Fantasy which as she's grown older we've been able to lean into a little bit more together because like for a few years we pretended we both weren't into that stuff and we sure as hell didn't acknowledge it to the other <laughs> but then to hear my aunt be like yeah I watched the Final Fantasy movie on Netflix I'm like what the fuck <laughs> like girl <laughs> oh, I love that so we started dropping recommendations to each other. It was wonderful. But, you know, that that was uh, – I don't know if that related or not, but it just got me thinking about familial ties. And, you know, that was one of those examples of, like, the positive second chance shit, mm-hmm. I guess, that can come from death and grief and the healing that can come from it. Because yeah. when somebody like a matriarch in the family or a patriarch in the family dies, there's going to be a lot of stuff that comes from it. Some of it could be bad. Some of it can be good. And uh, I think my grandmother's death unfortunately came with a lot of healing more so than tearing the family apart. Yeah. Well, that's good. I, I mean, it's it's better than the alternative. <laughs> it's true. I was like, how do I make this sound good? <laughs> I had a really interesting time because I've never really engaged with death. In my my family is a very small family. My grandmother only had two daughters, and there's some like step and halves and stuff. But like in terms of the unit, it was my grandmother and then her two daughters. She comes from a big family, uh, but she's not super close with them in in like space wise. Or I know she talks to them on the phone and does. I mean, like they communicate in the way that old people do. That we forget as people of the internet that is available, you know, like talking on the phone on a regular basis or my great grandmother yeah. wrote Weird. letters like to all of her 
college and high and and school friends and they just did that until they all passed it, it's just interesting how that didn't really get translated into us so we've always been sort of like our isolated pod and even within that pod we've been pretty isolated I don't know if it's selfishness or if it's just like the fallout of poverty and low income and not maybe poverty but you know like the struggle to stay out of right like jobs and kids and no real extra to speak of to do big things like family get-togethers or extra headspace to do things like write cards you know people talk all the time about how it changes the way you think about things and how your ability to cognizate issues and to think of steps ahead or to plan are ruined you know but I, I guess in my head I never just drew the connection of like oh that's why we can't plan family get-togethers and stuff and our Christmases are five people large you know like that it just never kind of all wrapped up for me like that until my grandfather started to fail actually it became a little bit of a scary thing. Since I've been pregnant, I lost my aunt unexpectedly. And I kind of, that was the first loss. So I had no idea. I mean, like, I just sort of, I hadn't really been close to her in the last couple of years. I had prior to that when she lived closer, you know, but then she moved away and it was out of sight, out of mind, kind of. And I think that was on both sides. You know, it was people just have their things that they're busy with and it's not a big deal or a reflection on me or her, but it's just... That was the way that our family worked. If you live close. Yeah, it's a two-way yeah, street. if you live close, you get attention. If you don't, then you don't. That's just the way that our dynamics were in, in our family. And a lot of the social niceties that I've kind of talked to you about previously, not being a part of my raising, are, I think, what keeps the uh, suburban families together <laughs> a little bit better, maybe. Like, and so all I can think of is like, oh, you guys send Christmas cards on a regular basis. That might help you figure out, like, at least know that they still live in the same place whenever sometimes I didn't know they'd moved or had kids, like, you know, things like that, even in a Facebook era, like that, that stuff that they're not in my bubble. So Facebook algorithm goes, well, that doesn't matter. Then does it? And I guess it doesn't, uh, according to the internet who rules all of our lives, but thanks Facebook. Thanks Facebook. (laughs) But I, so I was there as a support for my grandmother who I do have, a lot of interaction too, you know, and I, I tried to be respectful and considerate and there for my cousins in the way that I could. Um, but because I was, I don't have a lot of emotional IQ when it comes to that aspect of the grieving process, I tried to be silent and respectful, you know, because sometimes people just keep talking and that diary of the mouth makes things way worse. So I was like trying to be cognizant of that because of all of like the, the internet things that have said, don't do this. It's terrible. And I'm like, okay, so I won't do that, but I don't have anything else to say. So I'm just going to be quiet here and like, you know, hold my grandma's hand. And then two months later, a month later, my grandfather enters his final weeks. And that was a very near relation of mine. If I was to tell you what my family consisted of before I got married and, and found my partner in life, it would be my mother, my grandmother, and my grandfather. So my mom is my mom, but she's also half my sister. And my grandma is my mom, but she's also my grandma. And my grandfather is my father, but he's also my mom's father. And that was just how our family worked. So that was a completely different experience, wherein basically the three of us just circled up and spent two weeks in each other's presence 24-7. And honestly, I don't know that I could have gotten through that experience in a different way. I didn't know what else to do, so we were just all kind of talking about banial things. But just the nearness and the support of each other's presence was what we needed, because that was all we had, right? Even though that's not actually true, but it, you know, it was Mm -hmm. true in that emotional sense. And, you know, the final scene ruined me a little bit. Because I think that's when we all came to that understanding together. And I wouldn't have known what that was if I would have read this when you first told me that was the book that we were reading. I had I had no frame of reference for that until after that experience. For that silent interaction and passing of memories and emotions between the ailing father in his final moments to his son. And that peace that comes, right? I would have never known. So... Like, I don't know if this does a good job of helping people who haven't had those experiences, but I can tell you that it's way too fucking real to read after 
immediately after you have lost someone that you are very close to. <laughs> I would not recommend that. But, you know, I would be very interested if we have listeners who haven't, like me, a couple of months ago, had any family losses, you know, like what they thought of it. Because I, I think we both happen to just stack this the way that we're on the same page, but we don't have that exposure anymore to life before, right? Like, I, th- neither one of us has that perspective anymore. So mm-hmm. I don't know what that, like, does this only hit for people who have gone through those experiences or does it hit for people who haven't? Yeah, I do have listener feedback. None specifically, uh, no one, like, specifically hits on what it's like trying to relate to it without experience mm-hmm. this loss. Some people do talk about the ending, though, in a variety of critiques and statements. So shall I share re- or listener oh, feedback with do. you? I live for listener feedback, except for whatever they say bad things about me, and then I don't want to hear know, it. I I'm so excited. So far, that hasn't happened, so you're lucky. <laughs> I win. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray. Uh, for anybody who's listening who are like, damn, how do I get feedback to be included in the episode? So on our Discord, I'm shooting out prompts and upcoming information and little google forms for people to fill out with their opinions and thoughts and whether or not i can share it in the episode so if you would like to be included check out our discord it's in our link tree which is hopefully associated with this episode on wherever you're listening we appreciate you kisses so the first bit of listener feedback comes from and i'm nick (laughs) Or I think he says, and I'm Nick, on his comics YouTube channel, The Comic Burrito. He's also on Twitter at The Comic Burrito. His thoughts. God Country was the first comic that made me cry. It is a must-read, should-own book. I even think that people who are not, quote, into comics should read it. And I think Nick's right. Yeah. Like, I think this is one that you could hand to people who, like, have never really explored the genre and be like, here you go. Honestly, I would be very surprised if you didn't have this like on your table for your kids. It's definitely like a a book for when somebody's grieving and I'm like, would you like yeah. to cry? Would you like to feel the good Read feels this. in a related way? Yeah. Would you like a visual metal metaphor for what you're going through? <laughs> now we have Christopher. Uh, his social media is Twitter at Chaos and Comics. And he's definitely somebody that if you find any comic panel or any mention of chaos coming you screenshot it and you tag him so keep that in mind (laughs) he's got a really short and sweet opinion which is enjoyable i think overrated it a bit yeah i mean if it's talked up a lot and maybe that's part of that whole like or or like a lack of loss right maybe this is maybe this is the answer we were looking for yeah i don't want to assume anything about uh no definitely not chris's life but Chris, I know you are you are part of the Discord if if you want to share if you've experienced any personal loss so we could fully gauge whether or not your thoughts on it being overrated have to do with that. We'd appreciate that. You're welcome to, but no pressure. Yeah. Your experiences so, are your own, but the invite thank is you there. For your contribution. Yeah. Next we have Dan Percy or D Piercy Comics. He is D I think it's D Pier- Dan Piercy. Sorry. Uh, D. Piercy Comics on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. It's D-P-I-E-R-C-Y-S Comics. I really love his videos. He shares some on the Discord every once in a while. And I think my favorite ones are so far when he's like, it's new comic book day. And then I think he gets his wife or his partner in the background to also say fuck yeah with him. <laughs> and she's like, woo. <laughs> just really like not excited. And he's just like, woo. And she's like, woo. <laughs> I don't know why. That gets me. That's my type of sense of humor. Anyway, his thoughts. First, let me say that I think Donny Cates is a good writer, but a little overrated. I've read Thor, Silver Surfer Black, Inhumans, Redneck, Baby Teeth, and a few other things, and they were all solid, enjoyable, well-constructed reads. Having said that, God Country is fantastic. I think opinions are pretty unanimous across the board on this, and God Country is the Donny Cates title you have to read. Just writing this makes me want to read it again <laughs> oh my gosh i wonder there if that's a go. generational thing because nothing like makes me feel safer in a group of people than somebody else using wolves in this way <laughs> like, right? oh you're one of my people <laughs> i love <Okay>. it <laughs> <laughs> oh i can say this ironically. Yes. <sighs> <laughs> this is Freedom. not chuggy as it were 
whatever the fuck that means. Yes. Uh, okay, sorry. I have no idea. Uh, well, it's I'm so I think old. it's a fake internet thing that people have talked about to try to get millennials and Zs to hate each other. But maybe it's a real thing and I'm just, I don't know. Any- oh, yeah, fuck that. Know. It's fine. I love kids that are younger than me because they're fucking hilarious. And some folks that are older than me are kind of funny. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> anyway. So next up, we have Lance from CBK Cast at CBK Cast for the Twitterverse. Lance says, absolutely love the series. The state of this broken family at the hands of Alzheimer's is unbelievably powerful. The moment Emmett's mental obscurity is cleared by Valifax is beautifully heartbreaking. Not only does he remember his son and meet his grandchild, but he becomes the defender which all fathers hope to be. And despite a rough exterior, Emmett will literally go up against gods to keep his restored mental clarity. My only issue was the abrupt ending. I immediately wanted more and felt like the story wasn't truly over. But wow, can Donnie Cates tell a phenomenal story. So that was, yeah, somebody else's opinion about the ending was that it was abrupt and you didn't get to see a lot of like the after the fact. Okay, so I don't like to respond too much to people's comments because it's not fair because they can't defend themselves. But that immediately made me think two things, right? The first thing was that that protector Mm -hmm. role is, it wasn't an opinion that I shared, mostly because to me, the thing that stood out was how that protector role wasn't really our archetypes tell us it it is, right? It's not complete. It's not full. It's not perfect. So I didn't focus on that as like, oh, that's what he always wanted to be. I focused on like, that is the reality of how that ends up happening. So that's interesting. I have a, not a great relationship with my father. So all of my stuff comes out real nihilistic when it comes to fatherhood and tropes and stuff. Um, but also that abruptness, I thought suited the narrative of loss. I also was sort of confused whenever that was it. This is it. This is this volume one is it. And I was like, oh, wow. But then also it kind of left that spiritual aftertaste of, yeah. And and then they're gone. I really like that feedback. Thank you. Yeah, I always view open-ended endings. Weird. Open endings. That's how it should be said. <laughs> <laughs> I always view those as opportunities to continue writing the story by yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, like Donnie doesn't have to tell me how to cope with this grief. I make the decisions based on the moral that he told, which is that the second chance, the redemption, the remembering who they were and what they did that was either positive or negative and that kind of acceptance and culmination of what that means. Like that is what I get to write that story from. And so an abrupt ending was the ending to their story. And it leaves you with this open, just open possibilities. What will the family do next? Will they honor him? Will they forget him? What's going to happen? Will they be healed? Or I like those because then the story continues on with yourself. Right. And kind of where are these emotions going to take me and my narrative? And that is totally influenced, I think, by the fact that I was also experiencing the grief at the time that Mm -hmm. I read that. But I do have to say that the narrative and that ending helped me kind of come to terms with accepting my grandmother's decline and death. So like, yeah, it does suck when it sometimes it's just over because sometimes you want the answers of what do you do next? But I think for me, it really kind of was a nice propeller forward of like this is the emotional state what are you going to do with it kind of thing is your family i I have a question because this is my family is very narrative focused so we always Mm -hmm. told our own fairy tales about ourselves like for instance i was born in hawaii and i lived there for the first four years of my life and hawaii the period of hawaii was sort of like a fairy tale that my grandparents told themselves and me as I grew up of how my grandfather and I were best friends and never spent a moment away from each other. The different cultures, the dynamics, the things that happen, the smells, the tastes, they told themselves these stories. And it always felt to me like a different person that they were talking about. Like I wasn't the granddaughter that they had in Hawaii because of the way that they told it so narratively. Right. So I was, as an avid reader growing up too, I always felt a little disappointed in how you don't get solid answers from people because people are so mercurial you know, like there's no answers there's just mm-hmm. how people present to the world so when you say that you get to sort of finish the narrative it kind of made me think yeah the the people who are left behind get to decide what kind of narrative they carry forward for the life of the person that left so they get to cast them as the villain or the hero yeah. in their own heads 
and as they tell the narrative to their children. But then I was like, is that an experience other people have? Do other families kind of construct narratives for other for themselves like that? Or is it just that I have a very eccentric family? You know, I can't really recall us telling, like sharing a lot of memories. The storytelling we did about each other always was like off screen right like the character was never in the Mm, room mm -hmm. and so you learned more about people through the words of others and some of the actions you did like the narrative when it came to my grandmother and my mother was not the greatest relationship and so we never told those stories when everyone was present Mm -hmm. because they were not fairy tales they were horror stories so it was always just odd and i think from a young age I learned that contexts are important and that people can change over time and are different people to different people. And so open-ended answers are always kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Like I never was upset by them because it, I think, fostered greater kind of acceptance. But I also would get told stories and people would be totally different from that story. So yeah. it's like, mm-hmm. what? <laughs> like, so... I, I don't think we were narrative-based, like what you're saying. Or if we were, our narrative just wasn't really great. Yeah, you didn't have the balance. So, I, take that as you well, will. Well, <laughs> and, and I can tell you that our all of ours were not fairy tales, but it was always an interesting thing. Kind of, it, Yeah, that disconnect, the two stories not meshing or lining up, and then the third thing being what you see with your own eyes, you know? Like, I've always had a very strange mm-hmm. relationship with family, and I think it's because they lean so heavy into telling these tales on both sides, but... Also, uh, the generation between me and the grandparents went to a lot of therapy, so they were going through some stuff. (laughs) Airing out the dirty laundry. I think my family was definitely more rituals related. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, 100%. I mean, we both are. Yeah, no, I think my family is more rituals related because I really love the idea of holidays and family gatherings for the celebration component and like the spiritual component of that of coming together with my family and being able to see and interact and reconnect with them rather than the like display that comes with holidays or whatever. Like my birthday, like I don't want people to buy like my tickets to movies or things. I want to buy them for the people I'm inviting to come celebrate with me because the ritual of like coming together is so important mm-hmm. for me. That's so we were a ritual family, not a narrative family. You helped me figure that out. We have one more listener feedback though. Would you like to hear? Oh, yes, I do. So this is from Red, and Red is part of Crusade Nerd. They are on Twitter as Crusade Nerd. And he is part of a panel of folks who does a YouTube channel under the same name. And they are fucking hilarious. They do a lot of great episodes. They have great themes. They talk about comic news. And the four of them also did a Bat Cow episode for me. Oh, is that them? Well, for a lot of people, but I maybe spearheaded that. That's them. Yeah. Yeah. It was so great. For Red, he says, it's absolutely stunning and two meanings to me personally. Once when I was trying to show my dad and a completely second now that he's gone. And so there, I guess that's a perspective before you know it sounds like he was trying to use it as a means to bond with his dad and then when his dad is gone it completely changed the impact of the story so see that's very interesting that kind of answer a question kind of yeah i wish i had read this before i'm i'm completely okay with just finding it after but it would have been an interesting thing to read this particular narrative before and after we don't get to choose those things though because that would take a level of like precognizance that would ruin me as a person like i wouldn't be able to get out of bed in the morning honestly would you use that precognizance to read a comic book before (laughs) like for science you'd be like okay i know this death is coming and this book is about death so i want to read it before and then yeah no that would girl you would you'd be using it for good which would be like bringing the family together and trying to tackle shit like or, or the lottery tickets it would not include a comic like that would... or that i i might yeah. be a completely shallow hell you don't know yeah. aaron you don't know me well, i mean you probably do pretty well uh considering we've been having heart-to-heart chats like this for like over a year now <laughs> so yeah i think i've learned a little bit about you <laughs> That would be a personality trait that came up beforehand. Like, I'm just, I'm just saying. Oh, man. I didn't think this was going to turn out this well. So I'm I'm glad that it. Just? I'm glad that it did. Like, I'm pleasantly surprised about how we managed to both keep our shit together while doing this reveal. 
analysis reaction video what did we decide we do because sometimes i do that cringy thing where i give you a blow by blow because i'm just very excited about something you haven't read yet but then sometimes we're just like odd impressions we get about it and like barely explain anything that happens and we're like whatever you guys got to go figure it out if you want to know you know and then sometimes we're like spoiler and we're gonna talk about the spoiler until it dies like we're not super consistent reviewers are we (laughs) no not really but i think we just need to lean into the fact i mean we kind of gave an overview it was about like space and shit (laughs) (laughs) sorry that was (laughs) okay this was a topic that was really hard i think (laughs) to capture in a plot summary because it was such a raw subject for us like it was an allegory about dementia and second chances and death and grief but it was all done under the guise of a dad of a grandfather getting a magical sword that made his brain good and then fighting an alien that was a foil for him so like i think that's gonna be the episode description (laughs) yeah at the end at the end there you go no um but it is, it definitely is such a personal journey. But to answer your question about what are we, I don't know. We're a podcast. And so, because we can call ourselves just a reaction. Yeah, we're reactionists. We're reactionary. We are reactionary. Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. Well, whatever we are, you can totally find us on Twitter and on YouTube and on Fireside, and on Google, and on all of the things. Mm. And you know how you find those specific things? You find our leak tree. Because our leak tree is the one tree. It is the center of the universe. It is how you get to, to all of the good shit. Is Discord on there now too, Erin? Yeah. yeah. All of our shit in one yeah. spot for your convenience. I, have a, I think it's set up as a permalink. So if it's not, find me and yell at me and I'll fix it. <laughs> we are a podcast. A reactionary podcast. Couple girls yeah. talking about things. And if you like that, and would like to talk to us about it, we love to hear from you. We have new cards on the Discord that Aaron mentioned before. Yes, and you can just straight up email us. We love that shit. Sure fucking sure can. Sure fucking can. I want to start describing us as a reactionary podcast since our since our reactions are usually like, yeah, this is really good. But like usually when people say reactionary, it's like everything was <laughs> shit. And we're like, no, this is really great. And I was really introspective after reading it. And like maybe it faltered around this kind of thing, but maybe it's because of the context of the decade. <laughs> so our reactions are actually well thought. But boy, do I want to be like, yeah, we're reactionary. And people are like, oh, yeah, you're going to be angry. Like, God, you cold-hearted bitches and start being like other women and they're so catty. And we're just like, no, everything is well thought and emotional. And you may be a guy, but you're going to understand what it means when we say I'm home and I've taken my Oh, man. Will you you ever? I hope that we can give you that level of relief. Yes. Oh, God, it's so good. (laughs) It is so good. Best fucking feeling in the world. The only uh, equivalent I have now is in the last days of my pregnancy, taking my pants off is almost as big of a relief whenever I get home. I'm like, mm, fuck those. I'm never wearing oh, those again. Man. I'm wearing sweatpants right now, which is the second best thing because if my cat was on my lap, she would be well, fine. Well, you have a teenage me. cat, so that um, is a that is a danger. You have to wait until they're older and tireder yeah. <laughs> before you pull that move. <laughs> yes. She stood on me and yelled at me at two in the morning. And it's just like, like I was laying on my side and she was just like, me, 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 me. And David like shoved her off and was like, what the fuck? And I was like, she's hungry. And he's like, oh, I don't know what you want. This is like this is why people call themselves cat, like animal parents. Yeah. She fucking punched me in the eyeball. That's also a, a child. She She also, whenever I first sat in this room to record, um, I shut the door immediately and she was just going up and down the halls, just like, me, 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 mom locked me out. And David was like, the cat's mad at you. I'm like, I fucking know. I can hear her. She's making herself well known. And you know, what's funny to me is anytime you have a really vocal cat. I think to myself, they're doing that specifically for me. Like they do that because they think I'm dumb. And yeah. I love that. I like, it just adds so much to their yeah. personality when I'm like, you really do think that I need the extra help. I don't know 
why she yells at me all the time. Maybe it's because I'm the one who cares for her a lot. Where I end up like, welcome to motherhood. I mean, she started screaming at David finally, and she's so. I guess when David came home, she screamed at him until he cuddled her. Then she's like, I'm quiet now. So I'm really. She's like screaming because she has a need, but they're needs that I don't always want to meet, like 5 a.m. play times. Because she started pulling my hair and it was like, it's 6 a.m., bitch, let's get up. And I'm like, fuck you. Like, I'm sleeping still. Like, what are you doing? And she's like, nope, it's time to play. I want to kill shit. I'm like, I just want to, I just want to sleep. She's like, killing your arm. I'm like, please stop. Please stop. Oh, man. Yeah. The the journeys through kittenhood into adult cathood are, I mean, like, adopt, don't shop for sure. But also, if you could adopt them as, like, teenagers, I think it's totally worth it as an experience like I love that experience for you in like the best way like because it is just there's so much personality that's established and your relationship is solidified so quickly like it just it's just special I love it I love it she's precious she's not much like when I fling the cat toy around and attempt to play with her while I do something else she doesn't like that but if I go running up and down the halls she's all about that shit she's like yeah I want to run with you. And then, like, I would hide around a different corner and I'd just hear her be like, where the fuck are you? <laughs> like, problem solved, bitch. Like, the tiny-ass room, where the fuck do you think I am? Like, then I go chase her and she's like, yeah, we're chasing. I'm like, why do you want to play chase? Like, Because you're slower than she is. I don't know. She's very into the interactive play. <laughs> fuck. I am so goddamn slow. Uh, like, it's not even funny. It's like those little kids that, that are, like, always trying to get you to do something that they know you're gonna be bad at because then they're like yeah i'm so much better than you huh fucking little shit we run we chase each other up the stairs and she just stomps me but i do have a lot more weight i have to move than yeah. she does it's so, an like, unfair it's an unfair thing that's fair and my legs aren't quite long enough to skip steps <laughs> so i have to hit every single step and she's just like i'm fucking leaping and i'm like Ew. that's cheating that's cheating it is well yeah well thank you everybody for joining us today yeah thank you so much this was hard but y'all we pulled through we like fucking champs proud of you proud of us proud of listeners fuck yeah all right we'll talk to you later bye Bye. oh it's a baby making noises that's a baby making kitty noises so i say i hope there's no baby making noises on our podcast I'm so salty that my ship sank so quickly, but it's fine. Everything's fine. Goodness, is everything fine? <laughs> let me let me check. David, you okay?